it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 422, and I am your host, Allison Sheridan, and we have Bart Bouchatz from BartB.ie back again this week. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine. Hot dogs. Well, thanks for uh, recording on a Friday with me. Uh, what's, on the, uh, what's on the agenda today? Well, we're on to the seventh part of our programming by Stealth, which is uh, very imaginatively titled More CSS. Very cool. Hey, let's give a quick shout out to a gentleman named Nathaniel, who was uh, sent over to us by Katie Floyd of Mac Power Users. He's uh, really excited, been having fun listening, and he made a special point of telling me. Oh, cool. Thank you. Oh, he, also Hi, said, he also said you were right about uh, Markdown, and he gave me all the reasons why I was wrong, which is funny. <laughs> I like a lot then. No, you're all wrong. So far, I think most within the Silicast community seem to be on my side on this one. Yeah, it's pretty much me and Alistair against the world. Oh, well, okay. That's a pretty good ally to have, in fairness. Exactly. See, I got credibility. All right. Let's go ahead and kick into Programming My Stealth 7 of X. Okay. So last time we got ourselves a pretty basic understanding of CSS. So we were able to finally begin to add some style to those HTML tags we've been looking at over the previous install months. And now we're going to kick that up a gear. Um, we're going to get more serious about selectors and realize how powerful they are. And then we're going to learn about something called the CSS box model. Hmm. And the box model is the final layer of foundation before we get to do all the cool stuff next time. Okay, forgive me. What's a selector again? So the selector is the thing we use to say what tags we're targeting. So last time our selectors were really simple. They were just the name of a tag. So P, open curly bracket, some rules, close curly bracket. The selector is the P. How is that not a tag? Well, it is a tag. That's what I'm saying. So the selectors we've used so far have been just tag names. Ah, okay. But selectors can be more than tags. Correct. Selectors can indeed do more. Okay. And so the selector's job is to effectively target the bits of the page that you're addressing. So you're specifying, you know, these rules like make this blue, make this bold. And the selector pinpoints which bits of the page we should apply those rules to. So you have rules that say what it should look like and selectors that say what it is that we should edit in that way. Oh, oh, like like an H3? Right. That is a, very, a H3 is a nice basic selector. So we're going to learn that we can do more. Okay. And we're going to build that up slowly. Okay, so actually let's let's start there. So last time, I, you know, we did a lot of sort of, well, lying to our teeth, you know, simplifying. <laughs> and we said that a selector was the name of a tag. And that is true. A selector can be the name of a tag. Uh, but let's look at a real world problem and then how more powerful selectors can solve that. So let's say that we have decided that in the normal flow of our document, we're not going to alter what an EM looks like. Italic is perfectly fine for emphasizing stuff. So in our normal paragraphs, we're perfectly happy to leave it alone. And then we decide that actually a block quote, I'd like block quotes to be in italics, because I think that looks nice when you're quoting someone. Okay, so how do you quote emphasis now? Or how do you show emphasis within a quote? It now has no effect, because the entire quote is italic, and an EM tag just makes stuff italic. So we have now lost our emphasis inside our block quotes. Okay. So what we'd like to do is leave the the EM tag alone when it's not inside a block quote. But when it is inside a block quote, we want to do something different. Okay. Okay, so what we're so the the um selector we're going to use is called the containment selector. 
So okay, if you getting a lot of terminology here. Okay. So if we want to say this rule applies to emphasis tags only if they're inside block quotes. That's what this selector is going to do. So apply the rule to X tag only if it's inside Y tag. Okay. So it's block quote space EM means EMs inside block quotes. Okay. Let me back you up for just a second because what mm-hmm. you said made sense, but when I'm what I'm reading doesn't make as much sense. It's backwards. Okay. It's backwards to what you expect, I'm sure is what you're going to say. No, I was just going to say, so your your original um, uh, block quote example says block quote, and then it says font style colon italic. Correct. You didn't really talk about that. Is that just, that just says, okay, make block quotes be italics. Yes. So that's what I, that was our scenario. So okay. we would like our block quotes to be italic because we okay. think that looks good for a quotation. So but now, now we're quoting someone who's saying something that needs to be emphasized. Oh, sugar. What does the EM tag do? Well, it, it makes things italic. So now, inside a block quote, EM tags become invisible. And the whole point of emphasis is that Wait, it's why would to they be inv- Why would they be invisible? Well, the only thing the emphasis tag does by default is make text italic. If you have said the entire block quote is now italic, how will the emphasis look different? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. You're saying uh, uh, Bob is talking along and he says, I was really excited and really yeah. should be italics. Well, then you can't use the EM tag for the whole block quote because you wouldn't be able to tell he was excited. Well, right. So you would write the code correctly. So you'd say block quote, I am open EM, really close EM, excited. But when you looked at it on the page, your style sheet would have erased the visibility of that emphasis. Well, or it it, it, it italicized everything around it so you couldn't see yeah. it. Okay. Got yeah, exactly. you. Got so you. Effectively, okay. it's gone. It's, you've swamped it. You've accidentally stomped on it. What a perfectly reasonable CSS rule. Okay, so now in your CSS rule you just described, you said block quote space EM, and then you're going to tell us what to do with EMs. But only if they're inside block quote. So in other words, an EM that's not inside the block quote is not going to be altered by this rule. So the rule I've simply said is color dark gray. And that way they should stand out because they're going to be a different color to the rest of the text. Okay, and what if something is not emphasized inside that block quote? This this will not affect it. Okay. This will only affect EM tags inside block quote tags. Okay. Talk to me about the syntax now. So it says block quote space EM, then you got an open squirrely bracket, color colon, dark gray semicolon, close squirrely bracket. Okay, so our rule for CSS is selector, open bracket, rules, close bracket. So the selector is block quote space EM. Right. Well, that's what bothers me is the EM is outside of the squirrely bracket, which means to me right. that that I can't ever do anything about stuff that's not emphasized. Within that said, rule, right? You have lots of these rules, one after the other. Ah, so, oh, okay. So you, you, can, you can have block quote, EM, squirrely bracket, rule, close squirrely bracket, open squirrely mm-hmm. bracket, more rules, close squirrely bracket. Uh, well, if you, okay, if you wanted to apply more rules only to EMs inside block quotes, you'd keep them inside the squirrely brackets. But if I don't want them on EMs, if I want to just say about the rest of it, I also want it to be... Uh, 16 point or so if you okay what do you want to be 16 point everything else in a block quote that's not defined because you're only defining whatever okay remember styles cascade down so you will have started somewhere to say body open curly bracket font size 12 point close curly bracket it's going to be a default right right 
So if you don't specify anything specific, then yeah, yeah. it's just going to be the default. No, but I'm, I also want block quotes to be 16 point when my default is oh, okay. 12 Okay, Well, then you'd say block quote, open curly bracket, whatever you want to apply to block quotes in general, close curly bracket, block quote space EM, and then only the stuff to apply to EM. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Now I got you. So, so you would have more than one block quote, not trying to put all the rules about block yes. quotes in one. Th- I got, that's what I was looking for. Okay, gotcha. Good. Glad yeah, I asked. So you, you can have as many different ones of these selector open curly bracket rules as you like. And so you build them up. You know, so you start out with the really general stuff. Block quote should be like this. Oh, sugar, except if it's inside an EM tag inside the block quote, then I'd change my mind. That's this whole concept of cascading. Okay, so what if I had a block quote uh, EM said color dark gray and I had another one block quote EM that said color red? Which one well, wins? Well, whatever one came last would win. Okay, last is winner. Okay. Last yeah, but that's in... a very unusual thing to do. Well, Why that's just because you're an idiot. I mean, I, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, then when you're an idiot, the last one wins. Think of it like you're you. X equals one, then X equals two. Okay, well, then X equals two. Okay. All right. And so the last, yeah, the, if you say the same thing twice with a different value, the last value wins. And there's only one cascading style sheet that would apply? It depends. You can import many of them. Well, then how do I know which one applies? What if on one CSS sheet I say dark gray and one I say red? Well, now whatever one is further down the document is the one that wins. So if you and your header tag say link rel equals style sheet, href equals style sheet one, and it says red, and then on the next line you say link rel equals style sheet, href equals style two, and it says brown, well, style two was in the document after style one, so style two wins. Okay, got you. So it's always... Work your way down. It just, you know, I'm going to do this, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's whatever you said last is what applies. Okay. So start at the top of the document and ripple your way through, and whatever is the furthest down is what wins. Okay. Now, the important thing about containment is that it's not direct containment. It's just containment of any sort. So if you have a block quote that contains a paragraph that contains an EM tag that rule will still apply because that is an EM tag inside a block quote. doesn't matter that it's a paragraph too. That You're sense? just going to have to say that whole sentence one more time. <laughs> okay, so we have said that an EM tag, so block quote space EM means an EM tag inside the block quote. Right. But it doesn't mean directly inside. It can also be inside a paragraph inside a block quote. That still counts as being inside the block quote. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, you say it makes sense, but to a lot of people it doesn't. So that I just that's why I wanted to very carefully okay. stress the point. Okay. And you can also use multiple spaces. So if you want to only affect paragraphs inside list items, inside ordered lists, you would say OL space LI space P. Where? As your selector. Okay. Right. If you want to apply a style to paragraphs inside list items, inside ordered lists, then you would say OL space LI space P, open bracket, the rule you want, Close bracket. That's the whole point here. We're saying what we'd like to change, what changes we'd like to make. Close bracket. Okay. I, I, I sense I've lost you. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I'm also distracted by the fact that Steve's phone is in the room somewhere making noise, and so I'm sending him messages telling him to come get it, except they're going to his phone. Which <clears> is right next to you, so you're well, distracting yourself more. Yeah, it's they're not close enough that I... <laughs> Not close enough that I can reach the phone, just enough that I can keep making it ding. Oh, lovely. Well, maybe if I stop talking to it, it'll stop making noise to tell me I'm talking to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Can so, I suggest you very quickly flip back to last week's example? Okay. 
just to remind yourself what a CSS file looks like. Okay. So I will do the same. So bartb.ae. And you've got these all under slash PBS now, right? I do indeed. That speeds things up. So if you just scroll down to the CSS part in the example, you'll see that you have body and then some rules and then h1 comma h2 and then some rules wait wait how far down am i going Woo. right the pbs le- example style.css it says styles for pbs6 rift example okay so much so much information it's good that you write so much i just don't know where am i i was gonna say scroll to the bottom and then scroll up a little bit okay so I see the the visible example of what it looks like when it was done okay, right so above just that. Just above that is the code. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so you see the way it's a rule, open a curly bracket, some stuff, close curly bracket. A yep. rule, open curly bracket, some stuff. So the stuff in front of the curly bracket are the selectors. That's what we're talking about getting more clever about this time. Okay. All right. Okay, so does that make any more sense to what I'm saying this time? Yeah, I just lost you on where O, L, L, I, and P were supposed to go in your example of if you wanted to do something inside a, an ordered list, inside a, a list, inside an ordered list, inside of a paragraph. Okay, so where it says body, that's our simplistic, easy selector. So if we wanted to have our selector, so that applies to the entire body tag. Or H1 applies to all H1s. Right. If we only want to affect a paragraph that's inside a list, that's it, that is an ordered list, then instead of saying just P, open curly bracket, you'd say P, you'd say OL for ordered list space, LI for list item space, P, open curly bracket. Oh, okay. They would be, those selectors would all be at the one after another right in the title. Well, no, right okay. The... All together, that is one selector. Oh, okay. Okay. But you're saying a paragraph tag that is inside a list item that is inside an ordered list. Oh, okay. So they probably have to be in that order as well. Absolutely. They have to be in that order. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, they would mean the opposite. This will be one I will come back and reference the notes because I probably won't remember that, but I do understand it. Okay. okay. Okay, good. So let's flip back to seven. So containment is the first new rule we're learning. And the example is if I want to do something different to an EM tag, depending on whether or not it's in a block quote. So block quote space EM only applies to EMs inside block quotes. That's what the space means. Oh, and you know what? That actually makes your OLLIP thing make more sense. That's another example just like it. It's block quote space exactly. EM. Those are two things together that make a selector. Got it. Yes. Yes. Light bulb. Excellent. Phew. That was good. Right. Okay. So the next new concept we're about to learn is something called a class. And the cl- class is actually an attribute that you can stick into an HTML tag. So you know the way we had like image SRC equals? Well, SRC is an attribute. Yes. All okay. is an attribute. Okay. Right. So the little thing equals value inside an HTML tag is called an attribute. Is it a class attribute? Okay. There is an attribute. Okay. Which is the word class. So class oh. E- okay. I've seen it's these before. I have no idea what this piece is. Okay, okay. Keep going. So this attribute, it's, the attribute is called class. So like SRC is an attribute, class is an attribute, and every single HTML tag is allowed to have a class specified. Oh. Okay. And a class is an, the value of the class is one or more names that you make up. You, you are free to invent them, right? They, mm. You make them up. Okay. Invent them. There are some rules. So if you want to have multiple classes on one tag, it's a space is what separates them. So you'd say class equals class one space class two. 
And the names for classes can be anything you want, assuming they follow these simple rules. They okay. must begin with a letter, an underscore, or a hyphen. So they can't start with a number. Okay. And then the first character can be followed by zero or more letters, digits, underscores, or hyphens. So no okay. funny symbols. No, no dots. percentage signs. No dot. None of that carry on. Okay. Uh, if the first character is a hyphen, then it has to be two characters long, and the second one can't be another hyphen. Right? You have to, it can't just be hyphens. It can't okay. be hyphens all the way there. Not allowed. All right. And there is a convention, which means it's not a rule, it's just a guideline, that classes beginning with a hyphen are reserved for the browser to use, not for human beings to use. Hmm. So it's just don't put them hyphens first. They look a bit weird anyway. Like having okay. a hyphen at the start of a name, it's a bit weird. So just don't do that. It's not that you're not allowed to. You just probably these should. look like pretty easy rules. They're very straightforward rules. No funny characters has can't start with a number. Okay, and I won't start with a dash, a hyphen, and you shouldn't start with a dash. So these things have no effect on what the HTML page looks like. What they are are places you can attach your CSS to. Their sole function in life is to allow you to style things. Places, right? So. You can say as your selector, a full stop, followed by the name of a class. And then what those rules will only apply to tags with that class. So if you say dot VIP, open curly bracket, color colon dark red, close curly bracket, then every single HTML tag that you say P class equals VIP will go dark red. Okay, lost. Um... How could you start the class with a dot? You just finished saying it had to be no, a letter. No, no, no. no. The, the dot means what follows me is a class, not a tag. Okay. So if you have, if you just start P, a P on its own means the P tag. Dot P would mean a class called P. That would be a very confusing name to give your class. Dot just means what follows me is a class name. I think what would help me in the notes if you had class equals something, because I don't know what the class is. VIP. Well, how do I know that? This just says dot VIP. Okay. okay. Yeah, I wasn't That's sure how much to do in the example and how okay. much to do as okay. I went along. So, so dot VIP is telling you what the class should look like. But somewhere so else you're VIP, telling us it's a class. Dot VIP is just saying that if there is an HTML tag in the document anywhere that has class equals VIP, this rule applies to it. There could be zero of them, right? You can have the CSS that says, if something is a VIP, make it dark red. And there might be nothing that is a VIP. Perfectly valid. Okay. On the other hand, you may decide. So it's kind of hard to think of generic examples that you went for dot VIP. So if you imagine you're writing a big blog post and there's a heading that's really important. You would say H1 class equals VIP. This is a vital section. Do not skip it. Slash H1. It would turn red because it has the class VIP. So let me back up and see if I can say some of this. So every HTML tag can have a class, correct? Okay, so in your example, H1 is is an HTML tag. So I'm going to make a title uh, that I want to stand out. It's going to be H1, but I can say class equals VIP. And the Mm -hmm. way I know what a VIP looks like is what I've done in the CSS, which and I define Mm -hmm. that with dot and then the class name. Correct. Okay. Okay. So you get to make up the name, which is why it's so hard to say. 
Sure, sure. No, it's just it's just uh, that I, I wasn't thinking about the HTML view of things. You said it, but I did, didn't keep it in my head from when you said uh, image source equals. You said it can be like that, except it's class. Yeah, so class equals something I've made up. Okay. And then okay. you can reference that something in your CSS. You know mine are all going to be called boogers, right? <laughs> well, probably not, actually, because you're only going to make up a class if you're trying to achieve something. Like, why are these paragraphs different to those paragraphs? And you're going well, to be doing I might, that. Reason. I might do it as whenever someone else is talking. So when I'm quoting somebody else, my class might be boogers because I don't think much of what you had to say. <laughs> okay, but is that not actually okay? If you're going to do that, then I would say that you would make the class boogers map to Comic Sans to make you look like an. <laughs> okay, so in the HTML, I would say uh, I would say P. block quote. No, I would say block oh, quote. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay. You're block quote class me. equals boogers, and then over yeah. in the CSS, I'm going to say dot boogers. Open scrolling back at font colon font family font family font dash family colon quote ms space comic space sans quote comma <laughs> something else to fall back on. I'm not sure what you'd fall back on for comic sans. <laughs> okay. See, you've brought it home see. to an example I could really use, Bart. Excellent. <laughs> Okay, now things are going to get a little bit more complicated, but don't panic. Okay, well, I'm keeping up. So .vip means any tag with the class VIP. Mm -hmm. H1.vip means only if it's a H1. Okay, okay. So in this example, .vip color dark red, H1.vip color red will mean that any tag that's a VIP that's not a H1 will be dark red, but H1s will be bright red. Does .vip as a class... Uh, have to already exist for you to use h1.vip? Nope. Okay. It's just up to you. How specific do I want to be? Okay. So you wouldn't, if you only had uh, the class to find, uh, if you only had h1.vip set to red, Mm -hmm. then if you ever just said .vip, it wouldn't do anything. Or I'm sorry, if you ever said class equals VIP, it wouldn't do anything. Yeah. So if you had a paragraph with a class VIP and no matching rule in the CSS, nothing would happen. Okay. Gotcha. It wouldn't cause an error. There's nothing wrong with having classes you don't use or okay. classes that have no style. That's perfectly fine. That class and in fact, no if you look style. at a WordPress theme, it tends to make lots of classes so that you can, if you like, add CSS. This really makes me want to go look at my CSS right now. <laughs> I won't. I'll, I'm not keep, sure I'll you pay attention like class. the CSS for your theme because your theme is a little bit old-fashioned and the CSS is quite horrible. Right. Probably. That's on but my to-do list. It probably make you appreciate the modern themes more. Okay. Now you can also you don't have to have just one class. So remember, I said you could use a space to separate them. So you might want a rule that is only going to apply to something to a paragraph that is both of class VIP and of class for ref. Then the selector is p dot vip dot for ref. So you can just keep saying dot name of class, dot name of class, as many of them as you like. Now, in reality, you generally speaking, only use one or two. Hmm. Okay. Because otherwise you're just into weird, you know, like, how many classes do you possibly need, you know? Okay. Uh, final thing to say is that the same class can be applied to lots of things in a document. So you can have like 400 paragraphs of class VIP and two headings of class VIP. It's not a one-to-one mapping. You can use the class all over the place. And the reason I make the point of that is because there is something almost like a class, but there's only allowed to be one of them in every page. Oh. And that's called an ID. Okay. So you've probably seen IDs in HTML code as well. So the same idea, it's ID 
So it's an attribute. So P ID equals something. Okay. And again, there are rules on the something. The first character must be a letter. And there can be zero or more letters, digits, or underscores, hyphens, colons, or dots. So you're allowed more characters in an ID. Uh, and while it is legal to use dots and IDs, it is highly recommended you don't because it just makes your life horribly difficult. So pretend you're not allowed dots. <laughs> well, like in your previous example where you've got p.vip.fort and you start getting dots in both places, you'd get confused? Not only would you get confused, the browser would get confused and you'd have to start escaping the dots. And as you learned from Taming the Terminal, the less you have to escape, the happier you'll be. <laughs> so don't use dots in, in your IDs. All right. And just like dot means class, the pound sign or the hash symbol, depending on which side of the pond you're on, means ID. Age. Okay. So if you want to say that the tag with the ID intro underscore text should be blue, it's hash intro underscore text open curly bracket color colon blue close curly bracket. Okay. And if you want to say that you only want it to be blue if it's a paragraph, it will be P hash intro underscore text color colon blue. And the big difference here is that your document can only contain one tag with the same ID. So you can't have a paragraph with an ID of intro text and a header with the ID of intro text. An ID must be unique. Can you have two, one tag. Can you have two headers both using intro underscore text as a tag as no. a as an ID? No. No, an ID should an ID should be unique to a single instance of a single tag. So basically it should appear once in your document. Why do you need these? Ah how many sidebars do you have? Two. How many left sidebars do you have? I can have two. I only have one. Well, My theme one allows two. Okay. So in your in in your theme, there is a tag with the ID of left underscore sidebar almost certainly. And there is another tag with the ID of right underscore sidebar. There are one of them per page. And they have CSS applied to make them be sidebars, to make them be to the left and to the right. Oh, that okay. is CSS we haven't learned yet. But that's why you need IDs, to be able to take a single thing and pick it up and make it into the header at the top of the page, the big banner, oh, or okay. make it into a sidebar, or make it something unusual. Does that hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So a class is for addressing a bunch of stuff, and an ID is for addressing one individual thing. Okay. And you just stick them into your HTML tags, and it's perfectly legal, and that's how you're supposed to do it. Okay. I'm with you. And you can, everything we've learned today, you can stick together. So you can say that you want it to be a paragraph with the ID intro text and the style or the class VIP by saying P hash intro text dot VIP. All of these rules we've learned today can just be smashed together. Good. I got it. Okay. So last time I told you that specificity was this very simple little thing. And I told you I was lying through my teeth. Now oh, we didn't somebody it. correct you on whether this was a made-up word by the HTML people? If they did, I didn't notice. Oh, it might have been on a blog post, uh, blog comment. Somebody said it was it existed somewhere else first, but that's okay. Okay, well, anyway, certainly the first time I've come across the word is in CSS. So last time I said that specificity was a number, but actually in the real world, specificity is four numbers, and we're going to call them S, I, C, and T. S is very, very simple. If the style comes from 
a style tag, like we learned about last time, it gets a 1, and if it doesn't, it gets a 0. So S is either 0 or 1, very straightforward. I, okay, so if you look at a selector and you count how many times the hash symbol appears, that is the value of I. In other words, the number of IDs in the selector. C is the number of times the dot character appears in your selector. In other words, the number of classes in your selector. And T is the number of times a different HTML tag appears in your selector. So that's how you get the four numbers. Is it in a style attribute? How many IDs does it have? How many classes does it have? How many tags does it have? Those are the four numbers. And the way you decide which which competing style wins, should this be blue or red? Okay, so blue is defined by just P as the selector. So that means S is 0, I is 0, C is 0, T is 1. The competing one says that a paragraph with an ID of important paragraph or something, well, that has an ID of 1 and a T of 1. Therefore, it has a different specificity. Can you see that? Sure. I'm hoping I don't need to know this. Okay. <laughs> I'm following, essentially. Okay, but... no. Okay, so what you need to know is the way you compare them is by starting at the first and going on. So, if one thing has an ID and the other one doesn't, the one with the ID always wins. Something has a class and the other one doesn't, the class is the next most important. So IDs are more important than classes are more important than tags. That's the there. Rule. Okay. I can, I can absorb that. <laughs> okay. IDs, then classes, then tags. That's the hierarchy. Lords, peasants, servants, I guess. IDs, <laughs> IDs, classes, tags. That's the order of importance. ID, class, tag. ID, class, tag. Okay. And like we learned last time, sense. the style attribute always wins. It's like B, it's like Q in Star Trek. Okay. okay. All right. And this will become, why this matters will become more important. So I would suggest that this this little paragraph here, which is quite short, contains a spectacular amount of information that you will come to realize its importance as we go on. So it's one for reference. Okay, good. And now I'm going to stop making your head hurt, I hope. <laughs> okay, good. And we're going to move on to the CSS box model. So we talked about this concept that every HTML tag sort of stacks up one on top of the other. So a header, and then below that you stack a paragraph, and then you might stack a list. Well, the browser genuinely represents them as rectangles. I'm going to interrupt you really, really quick before it gets too late. I just looked up specificity in the dictionary, and it's from the 17th century. (laughs) I don't think they had CSS then, so I think... It says having a special determining quality from the Latin specificus. Okay, back to the box model. Okay, so we think of a paragraph as being a big square of text and a heading as being a square of text. They are genuinely represented as squares inside the browser. Rectangles. Rectangles. Well, yeah, okay, yes. Uh Yes. And those rectangles are called boxes. And those boxes are the basis of pretty much all CSS styling. So how those boxes are created is called the box model. So I have a diagram in the show notes that shows you the structure of a box. So at the very, very heart of the box is the actual content. So if it's a heading, (laughs) then that is the actual text of the heading. If it's a paragraph, it's the text of the paragraph. Okay. Okay. So the content area is the actual bit where the letters are. Around that can be zero or more pixels of 
empty space, which is known as the padding. Okay. So content, Good. then padding. Then you can have zero or more pixels of a border. Right. And then you can have zero or more pixels of a margin. So margin is different than padding. Yes, because okay. they're on the opposite sides of the border. Okay. So content on the inside, wrapped by padding, wrapped by border, wrapped by margin. That's the hierarchy. Think of it like Russian dolls. Content on the inside, then padding, then border, then margin. Okay, that makes sense. And knowing that makes all the CSS make sense. Because I know a lot of people get confused. What's the difference between a margin and a padding? Well, the answer is padding is inside the border and margin is outside. Margin is we're also, also going to have to understand words like clockwise when we get into that, right? Um, like I think I think the the margin is defined as top right bottom left that goes clockwise. I think I remember reading that once. The shortcuts go clockwise. You don't have to know that. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, it, yeah, knowing what way the clock goes can be helpful. <laughs> For telling the time and for some other stuff. <laughs> okay. But it's not a requirement. So the, okay. the single most important... Okay, so content area, then padding, then border, then margin. Right. Now, the margin is always transparent. Hmm. The content area and the padding may or may not have a background applied. And the background will be... Everything inside the border will be affected by the background, but never the margin. The margin never has a background. It's always see-through. A border, if it exists, was obviously not see-through. And then whatever background you set affects padding and content area together. There's no difference in terms of the background between those two things. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So the background applies to everything inside the border mm-hmm. and nothing outside the border. Maybe saying the same thing too many different ways. Well... I don't know. I'm picturing those people that put like a 72,000 DPI image as the background for their entire web page. That would affect the margin. Well, yeah, but a web, it's transparent. the entire web page doesn't have a margin because the entire web page goes to the edge of your browser screen. Right, but, the, but a block of text can have uh, a margin and, on it, no? Yeah, it can. So if a block of text has a margin, it will not have, a, it will not have the background. But it's of, transparent. It should show the background behind it. Right. Okay, so the, if the whole page has a background, then a paragraph with a background, that paragraph's margin will show the background behind it. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So when we're styling these boxes, we control the padding, the border, and the margin. So let's... anything. All right, whenever we're applying sizes to things, we get to do so in three... Well... We get to do so in three units I'm going to tell you about, and a few obscure units I'm going to pretend don't exist. The first one is pixels. So you could say that you want a padding of four pixels. That would be four PX. Good. The dimension can also be expressed as a percentage relative to another dimension, and the exact percentage will depend on what it is you're giving the size to. So sometimes you can talk about, say, you might have, uh, I think, Padding is one you can do as a percentage, or margin as a percentage. Say the margin will be 30%. You know, that would be a very, very, very wide margin. But you could say the margin should be 30% the width of your paragraph. Again, very wide margins, but you know what I mean. So you can say percentages, which is just a number, and then the percent symbol. Okay. And then there's one that confuses people like you wouldn't believe. It's called the EM, right? And there's actually some doubt as to... 
where on earth that abbreviation comes from. And apparently it's not an abbreviation. It's actually the sound M. Because an M or an EM is the width of the capital letter M. If you look up the letter M in the dictionary, the pronunciation says EM. <laughs> Maybe go. that helps you in your head. So we tend to say them as EMs these days, but they're actually perhaps more properly called UMs so, or M's. <laughs> M's. So if you have a paragraph that says that the font size is 12 pixels, then an M is 12 pixels. So you could say that everything should have a margin of 1M. Well, that means that for headings, it's a bigger margin because in a heading, the font size might be 20. So then the margin hmm. becomes 20. Hmm. So actually oh, okay. working in terms of EMs is actually really useful because you can say something very generic, like whatever the size of the text is, the margin should be the same as that or half that or twice that. Yeah, like a, a five pixel uh, margin on a um, on a paragraph might look about right. But then if you do that on a on a heading, that would be too small of a margin. Yeah. So okay. then you would have to have a separate definition in your style sheet for every possible tag. Well, it's actually much easier to say that my margins are just always going to be 0.75 EM. Okay. And then headings will have bigger margins than paragraphs, and it'll all look right. So that's why you might use your EMs. They're actually genuinely quite useful. Uh, you might also say that an image that's given the tag smiley should be of a height of 1 EM, and then your smiley pictures will always be the right height. <laughs> okay, that's it again. You know, so we're, you know, little things. So EMs are useful. Okay, so let's look at margins and paddings. So there's actually four CSS properties each for margins and paddings. So we'll start with margins and say that the four properties that control a margin are margin minus top, margin minus right, margin minus bottom, and margin minus left. And each of those properties can have one value, which is going to be their size in one of the aforementioned units, so pixels or M's or whatever you're having yourself. Okay. Uh, negative margins are weird. So just don't go there. <laughs> By the way, you said minus and all those, but you just mean margin hyphen top? Yeah, whatever way you want to say that. Okay, so, just since we were talking about negative numbers, I didn't want to get that confused. Good point. Yeah, so margin hyphen top, margin hyphen right, margin hyphen bottom, and margin hyphen left. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, you're going to want the margins to be symmetrical, or at least most of them to be symmetrical. So there's actually a shorthand property, which is just margin. Oh. And if you say margin colon and give it one value, that multiplies out to being margin minus top five, mar you know, whatever the value is. So if you say margin oh, colon 5px is identical to you having said margin minus top colon 5px, margin minus right 5px, margin minus bottom 5px, margin minus left 5px. So you can see why you'd like the short version. Right, right. Can so I you ask you a really dumb question? Is a margin, oh, margin isn't a class, it's not a tag. No, so is it an okay, attribute? So, yes, margin is a style attribute. So we're inside the squarely bracket here. Thank you. Okay. Okay. It's a technically called a property. So like <sighs> font family was a property. Okay. And color was a property. Margin is a property. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it's like a color, synonym, color, but I got you. Yeah, well one of the yeah, one of them is the term in the specification and one isn't. So the term in the spec is property. But mm -hmm. if you want to call it an attribute, that's fine. But if you're going to look it up in the spec, it's going to be called a property. Okay, I'll call that's it a That's why I'm being a bit pernickety. That's good. No, no, it's all right. Okay, so if you give the margin property one value, then that same value gets put on all four sides. If you give it two values, the first value goes top and bottom, and the second value goes left and right. 
that's actually quite useful because you may want your paragraphs to have a bit of room top and bottom, but you don't want them to have a bit of room at the edge. Let them go to the edge. Okay. So you might say margin colon 5px space 0px. That means okay. top 5, right 0, bottom 5, left 0. Okay. And then the last one is you give all four, and this is where clockwise comes into play. Yeah, see? So you say margin 0px, 5px, 10px, 15px, that's top 0, right 5, bottom 10, left 15. So you Yeah, see? I knew right, something. <laughs> you did indeed. So top right, bottom left. I've tried to learn this. I really have. Yeah, I, you very rarely need four different margins. Sure. So most of the time you're just going to say margin four or maybe two values, but the four value version is quite rare. Can I ask a read ahead question here? Yes, you can. So I've been forever entering margin colon 5px on every single image that I ever post to my uh, website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could have done it in style in one thing. Could have said images always have margin colon 5px. You could indeed. So yeah, so if you were to edit the style sheet for your theme, you could put that in there and that so wouldn't need happen. You could save me a lot of time <laughs> the last decade. <laughs> yes, yes I could. I, mean, I do have a text expander snippet, but I think it's faster if it's in the CSS and I never had to type it. Also, it would mean that if you were to change your theme, you wouldn't have all these hard-coded values winning the world, winning the rules all the time over your theme. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've learned how that works with the margin. The good news is padding is exactly the same, but it's padding minus or padding dash top, padding dash right, padding dash bottom, padding dash left, and okay. the shorthand property is just padding. Okay, so padding is basically the same as margin. Just replace the word margin with the word padding. Okay. The one that's different is border. And the reason border is different is because a border has more properties than just its width. Okay. Border, in fact, has a width. How many pixels across is the border? It has a color. What color should the border be? And it has something called a style. And the valid styles are dotted, dashed, solid, double, groove, right, inset, and outset. The default is solid. Just a, a pure line is solid. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I've I've modified that one. Mm-hmm. Feeder used to now, do that for me. Indeed. So that means that the full under-the-hood CSS properties for a border, there's not four of them. There's 12 of them. Border minus top minus width. Border minus top minus color. Border minus top minus style. Border minus right minus width. You can see where I'm going here. So for each side of our box, there are three rules. A minus width, a minus color, and a minus style. Thankfully, there is a shortcut. So border, colon, is a shortcut value for the four sides of a border. But it doesn't expect one value. It expects three. Border. Okay. So border, colon, width, style, color. So border colon 2px solid blue. We'll set all four sides to be two pixels wide, solid, and blue. So none of those are def- have default values? If you didn't say solid, it wouldn't assume solid? Um, you... Yes, yeah, solid is the default as it happens. So if you gave it two, would it puke on you or would it? No, it would be happy. If you were to say border 2px, it would be happy with that. And if you were to say border 2px blue, it would be happy with it too, in theory. Okay. Uh, And you can also say border minus left colon 2px solid blue, that kind of thing. 
So there's okay. actually five shortcut properties. Border, border, top, border, left, border, right, border, okay. bottom. Okay. I'm going to go around and put borders and stuff where like it's ah. dashed red on the right and it's seven pixels thick, solid you on the top that. and green. You genuinely do that. <laughs> Believe it or not, having thicker borders on the left-hand side can actually be really good. Really? Why? Well, you'll see in our example. Actually, it's something okay. I used in our example. Okay. If you think about an email client, you could argue that when something is quoted, it's just a one-sided border. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now borders have one more property, which is new to CSS3, but fun. And that is border minus radius. Ooh, and I remember hearing about this. Uh, IE6 will not like that. No, it will not. But we're, <laughs> so use we're it living, a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're living in the modern world. I've assumed modern browsers, which, and the reason I've assumed that is because before making that assumption, things were horrible. So there, every browser has been able to do this for a while, but every browser was different. As yeah. of CSS3, there is no more of this carry-on. It is now border minus radius. And what it expects is the radius of the border. So I if remember you say border minus radius 5px, it will be four five-pixel radius curves on each of the four corners. You can affect different corners differently. <laughs> the properties are very long to type. Border minus top minus left minus radius. Border minus top minus right minus radius. <laughs> So Thankfully, when, <laughs> you usually set all four at once. So when I'm making one dashed, one red solid, I'm going to change the radius to, we'll see if I can make the ugliest box possible. Uh, let me ask oh, one. Can. There are some very ugly boxes possible. <laughs> let me ask a serious question. If I have a rectangular photo and I defined a uh, border, and mm -hmm. I'll often do this to say, okay, I want to have a border that's blue so that you know that that image is a link. Um, mm -hmm. If I put a radius on it and the and the and the image was a rectangle, will it round the edge or will the corner of that photo stick out from under it? It should round it, assuming the browser is being sensible. Okay. Should do. I probably won't ever do that, but I was just curious. No, 99.9% .9 sure every modern browser will behave correctly. Okay. If you had tried this a couple of years ago, I couldn't have promised you anything. <laughs> okay. But in the modern world, that is perfectly valid. And everybody's on IE11 and Edge and Safari exactly. and Firefox 428. We're all good. Exactly. So the final thing we want to talk about is backgrounds. Yay. So by default, tags are transparent, with the exception of image tags and stuff like that, obviously. Because otherwise, images would be spectacularly boring if they're all see-through. <laughs> okay. uh, but normal tags, your paragraphs, your headings, everything normal is transparent by default. But you can change the background. And you can do two things. You can set a background color and or a background image. But only if you spell color the way God intended in the United States way, right? Correct. And I've just noticed I haven't finished this section of the show notes. Okay, so we'll make this up as we go along and then I'll type it in before people see it. Okay. Okay, so the easy property is background minus color. And background minus color expects a valid color name like we've learned with font colors and all that kind of stuff. So background minus color red will make a red background. And you can say then background minus image to set a background image. And that background image, if it's transparent, will show through the background color. So that's oh, why you could do the two at once. And so background image expects a URL. You're saying the background image will override the background color? 
the background image is put on top of the background color. So if the background image has transparent pixels in it, okay. the background color will shine through. Can we just tell people don't use images? Oh, no, 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 no. You really can't. Tell that. No, 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 no. Oh. No, no, you should use images. Images are really useful. Uh, make the web page slow because people do it stupid. Don't do it stupid. I'm happy to say don't do it stupid. Background <laughs> images should be small. A couple of K. Okay. You know? Yes. A subtle, a subtle, small, subtle. They're all good words for background images. Okay. Large, garish, bad idea. Okay. By default, the background image is tiled from the top left to fill up the whole available space. So if a paragraph is, say, 500 pixels tall because you've wrote a lot of text and your background image is only 100 pixels tall, it'll just stack them row after row after row to fill up the whole paragraph. And it starts at the top left and just tiles them. But it doesn't have to. You can choose whether or not they repeat. And you can choose whether or not they should start in the top left. And that's the bit of the show notes I forgot to write. So if you'll bear with me, I'm off to W3 schools now <laughs> to remember the name of these properties. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to read ahead and download the uh, PBS 7 files into my um, local host thingy there, my HD docs. <laughs> uh, I had started to make one, but I will now I see what I'm supposed to do. Ah, where did you go? All right, so downloading. Bart has a link in the show notes. I'm vamping for you here, Bart, to PBS7. And now we should have the style sheet. I assume I'm going to want to take a look at that in Adam or my favorite text editor, correct? Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, you can stop vamping there. Okay, so the first property we care about is background minus repeat. And that basically says whether or not we should do this tiling. So the default is to tile in both the directions, across and down. But you can say, so you can basically, so you can say background repeat can have the, pol- the, the following value. So the default is repeat, which just means tile them all the way. Then you can say repeat minus X, which means tile them across once and don't go down. So just across once. Can you, or can you give me a reason y. why we want to do this? To convince me that it's not stupid? Okay, you could tile across. Let's say that you want to have some sort of nice... Let's say you like skeuomorphism. Okay. Imagine you do. And you have a little gif that shows like a torn edge of a paper. And you'd like that to be along the top of your paragraph. Okay. Well, you want it to go along the whole top of your paragraph. So you want it to repeat across. Okay, and that's smaller than making a, a one giant image... And yeah. it needs to be able to grow and shrink as you change the size of the of the page? Okay. So you could either stick a massive image as big as you think a window could ever possibly be, which is the wrong answer, or you make a very small 10 pixel across image and tile it. Okay. So that would be repeat minus X to only go across the X axis. You might also say repeat minus Y. So imagine that you wanted to show the, like, a lot, you know, like a, in an old notebook, you'd have like a one red margin down the side. So you imagine having a GIF that shows like, a little red line or something. You could tile it with repeat minus Y to give you a line down the side of your paragraph. No repeat means don't repeat in any direction. And that's, so there are your choices. So repeat in every direction, don't repeat at all, or repeat in one or the other direction. Okay. Then the next property you want is the background position. 
So you can basically where right. So if you're only going, especially if you're going to not repeat, then where do you put the one copy of the image? So you could say background or background minus position colon no repeat. Background minus position center. So that means you get one copy of the background image in the middle. Or you might say top left or top right or bottom center or bottom right. So you basically can do it in those kind of sensible ways. You can also do it with X and Y coordinates or with percentages, but that's all a bit messy. Hmm. So really you want background minus position center is probably the most useful one. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the concept, so I'm not... Oh, okay. I'm well, not working hard to follow this part. <laughs> I'm more excited enough. about the other stuff you've taught us to to learn what's going on. Okay, well, that's all we're going to learn today. So now we're going to do it all together in a big example. So you've already mentioned you can download the zip file, call it PBS7, stick it into your document root folder, remember to start your web server, and then you can view the page to start with, and then we'll look at how it works. So if you view the page, what do you see? If I view the page, where did it go? Here we go. PBS7 demo in nice big blue letters. So we're playing around with our boxes in this demo. Okay. So like last time, we learned how to style our headings, so we have nice blue headings. And like last time, we've learned how to set our font, so we have a nice nice sans serif font instead of an icky one with twiddly bits all over the place. <laughs> no Times New Roman here. <laughs> and then we're starting to use our boxes. So the first box I have styled is the box for the code tag. So I have a silly sentence there that says, you know, so far in this series, we have not done any actual programming yet. But when we do, we learn the importance of the JavaScript keyword var. And var is inside code tags. And var is represented as being in a fixed width font in blue text on a light blue background with a dark blue border with little slightly rounded edges. Okay, so right now I'm looking at the outputted what the web page would look like. I'm also looking at the HTML that just says code tags on either side. So before mm-hmm. I flip over to the style, I'm going to guess you've put uh, some classes on code. So no, there was no need for classes because I just want to affect all code tags. So it's oh, okay. just going to be code as the selector. All right. This and, is pre. I don't know what pre is. And then you're too far down. Oh. Code tag should be a little higher. Or well, oh, No, the yeah, very sorry, first one. You're in the CSS or in the, in the CSS? You're in the CSS. Yeah. CSS well, says code comma pre squirrely bracket. Ah, okay. So we're saying that code tags and pre tags should share the following style attributes. Okay. So what do they have in common? They have a border that's set to one pixel solid and then hash 000099, which is a nice shade of dark blue. Okay. They say color and it has the same color. So text should be the same color as that border. Okay. Got you. Font minus family, we're saying Andale Mono, which is a really nice font on OS X. Then we're saying Courier New for the Windows people. And then Courier for someone with a really weird computer that doesn't have Courier New. And then Monospace, just in case. Okay. So like I say, specific, what you really want, going to less specific stuff as you go back. And then we say background color, and it's a funny one, hash 5E, or E5E5FF. That's just that shade of light blue I like. Okay. Then we're also saying, so those styles all apply to the code tag and the pre-tag, but there's more stuff for the code tag, because below it it says code, border minus radius, five pixels. Nice. Padding, one pixel. Which is the stuff right outside the content, but before you get to the border, right? 
Yes, because <gasps> otherwise letters would touch God. that border and that would look weird. Got it. Okay. Okay, so that's all we've done to the code tag. So we've given it a border, we've given it a color, a font, a background color, and then this border radius and a bit of padding. Okay, so the next thing on the page are pre-tags. I'm hope I'm did I, I may have forgotten to mention pre-tags. You a pre-tag is for a paragraph of code. This means pre-formatted. Huh? So Why if I want to use have, P. Well, because it's code, not a paragraph of text. So a pre-tag is for pre-formatted stuff. Huh? So it's for a multi-line piece of code. You will use a pre-tag. I have no idea what you mean. Well, here's an example. Like we're showing people examples of some JavaScript code. Uh-huh. So the code goes inside the pre-tag. Only code goes inside pre-tags? Anything that you want to be shown in a fixed-width font that the formatting should not be messed around with goes in a pre-tag. It sounds for pre-formatted. Okay. So you know the way, So it's for exactly the same role as a code tag, but for like multi-lines of it. Okay. Okay. All right. And what you. we've done for our pre-tags is they share almost all the same style as the code tag, which is not surprising because they're so similar in what they do. But we have said that for the pre-tag, their border radius should be 10 and the padding should be 10. And we're setting the property background repeat to no repeat and the background position to center. But we're not setting an actual background. Why are we doing that? Isn't that a bit weird? Because you're trying to hurt my head. Yeah. So we're saying that all pre-tags share these properties. And then we're saying pre.javascript says background minus image, background minus javascript.png. So now let's go back and look at the HTML. Because now we're about to learn this magic. I'm sort of looking at all three at the same time. So my head is spinning here. Let me see if I can say what you just said. So we know that pre-tag means... All pre-tags, yeah means this paragraph that has predefined attributes that we don't want you to mess with, predefined um, fonts and everything. So it's something that you want the formatting to just come through. So a a piece of code is a perfect example of something pre-formatted. Okay, so we've got pre-formatted, but we're going to apply a class that we have defined as JavaScript over in the CSS. So we see pre.javascript, and it tells you what that's going to look like. Yes. And it's going to have the background-javascript.png. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the HTML, it says pre space class equals JavaScript. This really confuses me because it sounds, the way you've described it, in HTML you define the class, but really you're defining class over in the CSS. But don't look at it as defining, you're specifying it in two places. Well, in one case, place you're using it, in one place you're specifying it. And you're specifying well, no. it in the style. Okay, but it actually works the other way around. So you're actually saying that this is a pre-tag, but it's a special pre-tag that contains JavaScript. And then in your style, you're saying, and I am deciding that everything that contains JavaScript should have this background image. Well, it isn't really JavaScript. This could be the word boogers. Right? It could be the word boogers, right? I've just given it the name JavaScript because I'm using here code examples. Right, but I don't want to confuse people that it really means JavaScript. It could have anything in there. Correct. It could be... Java boogers, anything like <laughs> But you've used the word JavaScript because you are going to use JavaScript in there. So that, that's yes. why that works. But so the class equals JavaScript, but you haven't in the, that's in the HTML. But in there, mm-hmm. you don't tell it what JavaScript looks like. It's in CSS mm-hmm. that you tell it what JavaScript looks like. Yes, but that, that's our normal division of labor. HTML says what it is. CSS is how it should look. Yeah. So we are saying that this is a pre-tag 
which I am giving the class JavaScript. And then in the CSS, I'm deciding what that means. That's our normal division of labor. Feels isn't different. It? No. It feels different, but it isn't actually different. It just feels different. Well, you don't ever define anything about a block quote over in HTML. You use a block yeah. quote. Right, and you're using a class. You're not saying anything. You don't say what it means. You just say you're using it. But it doesn't exist unless you call it out in the HTML, right? Okay, but it's actually, you should think of it the other way around. Well, like if it, The HTML comes first. And so it just specifies these classes, and the CSS can then choose to style them if it wants to. Okay. Bothers me, if but you all right. Do have source, I, if you do a view source in your blog, you'll find classes all over the place. Mm-hmm. Because WordPress uses lots of classes, and then your, your, your theme is then free to decide whether it, whether it wants to do something with those classes. Okay. I understand. I just don't like it. It leaves me unsettled, okay. but I understand it. Okay. Okay. Well, it'll, it is elegant. It just takes a while for it to... Yeah. Yeah. You know. Just something I don't know yet. All right. ...are contrived because they kind of have to be. But I like them. I like it. Okay. So we're okay. saying, so we have two pre-tags in our HTML, one that contains some sample JavaScript code. Um, so you remember we had a little argument about Markdown? <laughs> and you said, well... Like, what, what, I can't use a target underscore blank. Well, that's the JavaScript code to automatically insert target underscore blank into all links inside blog posts. <laughs> you, you put some JavaScript there? Yeah. But so that, then, that JavaScript is real JavaScript. That's what it does. But then you and your NoScript people will come in and it won't run. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> people running NoScript are probably going to right-click open the new tab anyway. There you go. So that's an example of some JavaScript code. Okay. And it has the class JavaScript. And then we have underneath it an example of some Perl code, which is the Perl code to print a 301 redirect to the website for this series. Okay. That's all it does. And it has the class Perl. So when we go back to our CSS, what do we do different for those two classes? You define the background image in both cases. Exactly. So... If you now look at the output, you can see a very subtle semi-transparent. Those background images just contain semi-transparent text. And they say JavaScript and Perl. Okay. How come they shrink and grow with the... Well, because oh, oh it's, the white, oh, it's the white text that the is the text. image. The white text is just an image. That's what you're talking about. And it's sitting on top of this light blue background that you defined. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of tricky. We have a background minus... Re- background minus repeat is... No repeat. So it's not saying JavaScript, 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 JavaScript. There's only one copy of the image. Okay. And it's background minus position is set to center. Oh, look at that. And look at how useful that is. Yeah. Now, each of those images are tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny. They're, I'll tell you exactly what size they are now when I look inside the zip file, but they're like a couple of K at most. They are, in fact, 6K and 3K. So they're not going to slow anything down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the last example we have is some more of my favorite block quotes, because then I get to share fun quotations with everyone. <laughs> and now these block quotes are an example where I have decided not to use a symmetric border. Ah. Three sides of my border are the same. They're dotted. But the fourth side is a big, solid black slab. Yeah. And you got roundy bits on the right and not on the left. Yeah. So That's I've really cute. gone to town on you know, doing what you said with borders. Except so it looks cool. Ex- what I was going to do was going to look pukey. <laughs> well, you okay? You didn't. Yeah, okay. That is a fair point. <laughs> okay. So 
we have said that the block quote is going to have a font family of cursive, which is the one we haven't talked about before, but cursive means it looks handwritten. Uh-huh. So like you can have serif, sans serif, there's also cursive. So I figured this was a good excuse to throw cursive in. Yeah. So you see it looks like handwritten. Mm-hmm. Border, 1px dotted and then 3333 is the color, which is a light gray. Then we have border minus left, 5px solid gray. There's 3333. Ooh, can I try to say this? So border left came after border. So border left overrode the one pixel dotted and made it five pixel solid. Exactly. Yeah. If I put those the other way around, it would the, the border would have overwritten the border left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Okay. So then we have border minus top minus left minus radius zero. A border minus top minus right minus radius ten. Okay, you get the idea. We set two of them to ten, sure. two of them to zero. Could you have said uh border radius zero ten ten zero? Yes, because I'm doing it yes. Okay. So the yeah, because you want Square ones wherever it touches the big solid black line. Zero. Otherwise, wait. it'd look weird. I don't think. That oh black wait, line... this isn't going to go. This is going to go clockwise. But is it? Is it upper right? Well, it doesn't have to go clockwise, right? Because each one is explicitly named. So border right. minus top minus left minus radius. Right, but if I had, if you did four in a row, where did, where does it start? It upper starts right? at top left. Top left. Okay. And then it goes around the clock. I think. This is why the border radius is extra annoying because it doesn't have a side. It has a side of a side. Corner, (laughs) yeah. So I'll be honest, I don't remember where the clock goes. I know it goes clockwise. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're saying that the color, so we want our text inside our block quotes to be a dark gray. It looks almost black, but it's not quite black. It's 3333. And our background color is a light gray, and we have a padding of 10 pixels. Then we're, by default, a block quote is indented. And I don't like that. If you have this solid black bar, there's no need for the indent. Mm. So we're explicitly saying that our left margin and our right margins are zero. Uh, so we're saying, I don't care what the right? default is for block quotes. I am asserting myself here. And then we're saying the font style is italic. Huh. Now, you might notice that the author of the funny quotations is in a different rendering to the text. It says... Right. Giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. PJ O'Rourke. PJ O'Rourke is different to the rest. So let's have a look at the HTML. So the HTML is block quote containing two paragraphs. The first paragraph has no class. And it just contains a quotation. The second paragraph does have a class. It says P, class equals author. Right. Let me guess. There's going to be a... a a CSS rule? Block quote, yeah, p.author. Bing, yes. bing. Okay. Block quote space, p.author, font style normal, font weight bold, text align right, no margin at the bottom. What does normal mean? Normal means not italic. Remember last time it was font style italic or font style normal, font yeah. weight bold or font weight normal. So we're okay. overriding. So a block quote says it should be italic, but p.author block quote, we're saying normal. So now, okay, so we have font style for a block quote tag is font style italic. You see it there on line 73. Yeah. yeah. And line 76 says font style normal. So it says Which override that. The second one. Why does the second one win? Because it's later. No. Because it's a the class? Later only comes into play if the specificity is identical. Oh. So if you see P Okay, but this one's because it's a class. Right, because this one has a class and classes are more important than tags. 
So if you had written um, block quote uh, p.author font style normal and then after that written block quote uh, font style italic, the p.author would still win. Yes. Because it's a, it's a higher specificity. Because it's a class and classes are more important than tags. Got you. So block quote is a tag, whereas block quote p.author has a class. But it still gets all of its attributes, for, the rest of its attributes that yes. you haven't specified, it gets from the block quote. Yeah, so the only time specificity comes in is if there's, a, if there's two values for one, at, for one property. So if there's an argument about what color I should be, should I be blue or should I be green? Okay, which of the two rules has the highest specificity? Right, 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 right. Oh, they have the same. Okay, which one came last? Got ya. Ooh, ding, 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 ding. I got it, Bart. Ex- so this is what this is why it's called cascading because all of those styles have cascaded in, and all we have to do is tweak the ones we want to be exceptions. Very yeah? cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so here almost endeth the lesson, but no, I'm going to make you like Firefox more than you do already. <laughs> okay. Do you like Firefox? Not really. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, it doesn't matter if it's Firefox or not. Okay. The, all modern browsers contain developer tools. Right. But Firefox is cross-platform, and we've gone out of our way to be cross-platform here. So I'm going to show you in Firefox, but know that every other browser has the same functionality. It's just going to be in a slightly different place. You're going to get to it by clicking different menu buttons. And for Safari people, I thought I'd be helpful. Safari has this feature, but it hides it from you. So if you're a Safari user and you don't want to play along in Firefox, you want to use Safari, what you do is you go Safari Preferences, and then you go to the Advanced tab, and there's a little checkbox at the very bottom that says Show Develop Menu in Menu Bar. And when you click that button, an extra menu appears in the Safari menu, and that's where all the cool tools are. Right, 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 right. I love we're that. We're going to use Safari for our screenshot. Or sorry, we're going to use Firefox because that way Linux, Windows, Mac, everyone gets to play along. Good. So on Firefox, where the cool stuff is, is in the tools menu. So first of all, go to open Firefox and go to localhost and look at our example. So localhost slash PBS7. Okay, and then you go to tools, web developer, and that's where all your web tools are. But the one we care about is the one called Inspector. We're going to play with the Inspector. So when you click on Inspector there, a little thing slides up from the bottom that has two panes. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm playing so around and not paying any attention to you because I'm watching everything jump around. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so the left pane shows your document as HTML tags, and each tag is expandable and collapsible to make it expand and contract. Yes, so you can see that your body tag contains a H1 tag, followed by a P tag, followed by a H2 tag, and then there's a P tag that contains a code tag. Mm-hmm. Yep. You see, okay, so you see them all there. And then on the right, you have some information about those tags. So first off, if you just hover the mouse, it will show you the box model for the tag you're hovering over. So if you hover over the H1, you'll see that the content area is shown in blue, mm-hmm. and the padding is also in blue annoyingly uh it's in purple for me is it is there a padding there maybe there's no padding there sorry there's no padding on that. oh that's right yeah so that's the margin i'm looking at yeah so so the the content is blue the padding is purple and the margin is yellow and as you hover along what you will see is that you can see for every tag where its box is just by hovering over it 
You know, they could make the text in this developer menu just a smidge bigger. Quite a few smidges. Okay, now, so that's when you're hovering, you're seeing the boxes, and that can be useful. And that also shows me that I forgot to say something really important. What? Okay, I was going to see if you spot it. So hover over the H1, and then hover over the P. Or actually, better still, hover over the... the there's two Ps next to each other. Hover over the first one, and then the second one. Where am I? In the, in the bottom left, where the so, HTML is showing? Yeah, so where okay. the HTML is showing, you see it says right. H2, some nicely styled code, and then below that, there are two paragraphs. Uh-huh. Hover over each one in turn. What happened to the margins where they touch? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so we have said that every paragraph has a margin above it and below it, and you can see that when you hover over the first paragraph. Uh-huh. Hover over the second paragraph, and it also has a margin above and below. But yeah. the one between the two paragraphs is shared. Oh. It's collapsed. Is it supposed so, to be? Yeah, because otherwise our documents would look really weird. Okay. Imagine if every paragraph, if the first paragraph had one margin and then all the paragraphs after had twice that margin, it'd look really odd, wouldn't it? Right, right, right. So margins that touch each other collapse. Are they the superset or are they the the bigger of the two? Yes, which is why when you hover over the heading, you'll see that its margin goes down to the paragraph, but the paragraph's margin doesn't go up to the header. Okay. Because the bigger margin wins. In the Makes collapsing. Sense. Okay. That'd be and, the only way to do it. Uh, exactly. Now, that only happens top and bottom. It does not happen left and right. And the reason it happens top and bottom is because that makes pages look right. Hmm. What that happens right and left, they must add. Right and left, they add up as normal. Okay. That makes sense. So, this okay. would be a good tool if you look at somebody's website and you go, ooh, I really like how that looks. You could open the developer tools, hover over it, and read up on what they did, what their classes, how they were defined. Yes. Also, if you're trying to debug your own website. So, you've been given, say, your WordPress theme, and you're trying to figure out how does it work. Mm-hmm. Well, as you hover over it, you'll see all the pieces. And you yeah. see which tag matches which piece. And you see, ah, so they've taken a blah tag and shoved it to the left, and a blah tag and shoved it to the right, whatever they're doing. So it lets you see how a web page hangs together. Now, the second thing is, so hovering is cool, and we see the boxes, and that's very useful. Now click on a tag. When you click on a tag, the right, mar- the right pane becomes the important one. Right, right. Oh, I'm so way ahead point- of you. I'm sitting here playing around like crazy in that. <laughs> Good. Okay, so let's pick one. So which tag did you click on? Well, let's go to one of your uh, styled quotes. Okay, let's go to our styled so- Actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's pick P class equals Perl because that one's more fun. Okay, fine. So you click on it and then you see that in your right pane, you have a bunch of tabs. Mm -hmm. So the first tab is rules and that's the default. That shows you every rule in your CSS file that relates to the tag you have clicked on. Okay. So pre.perl comes into play and from there, background image comes into play. Pre, we get some stuff from there, border, radius, padding, blah. Code, comes, code comma, pre comes into play because this is a pre-tag. Oh, so any, any rule that applies to that. Any Got rule you. that comes oh. into play for the entire style sheet is shown here. Yeah. Now, no, okay, so that's all of the rules. And I notice at the very bottom, inherited from body, font minus family, Verdana, Geneva, sans serif, and there's a line through it. Yeah. That's because it lost a fight. And it lost the fight to the other font family above. 
which says and and del mono because it's a pre-tag. Ah. That so that the, that the body lost the fight. The pre-tag didn't lose the fight. fight. Okay. Yeah. The pre-tag is the tag that's actually involved, so it's more specific than oh. the body. Okay. So you see what rules lose. They get a strike through. Yeah. Now, if you want to see the total result, the next tab over is called computed. And that shows you every single CSS property that's applied here, regardless oh. of where it came from. It just shows you the final value that it has. Okay. So we see that the background color is that shade of blue, and you can see it actually shows a little circle of it as well to help you see what it is. Background image is that URL. Background position, something we didn't even set, is set to 50-50. Actually, sorry, that's center-center. We did set that. Background repeat, no repeat, bottom border. So everything here. So it doesn't actually matter where we got it from. This is the total of the style. So this is what the browser calculated. Some right. of it we set ourselves, some of it we got as default. That tab is not as interesting to me because it's got so much stuff in it that came from elsewhere. I like the rules one better. Okay, there's a filter. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on with the colors, just search COL into the filter. and Oh, look, it collapses down. No, it's kind of nice. Can't read it because it's light, barely orange on white in one point font, but okay. <laughs> okay. Um, the fonts aren't all that useful. It just shows you what the font looks like. You could look at the page and see that. The box model then tells you that in this case, we set our margin to be 0.75 EM. Well, that's actually 16 pixels in this particular font size. The border is one pixel. The padding is 10. And the content has been 790 times 152 on my browser. But as oh. you resize the window, that will all change. Oh, yeah. Mine's 1057 times 152. By one yeah, so as you, okay. In fact, you can resize the window in real time and watch it change. Ooh, that's kind of nifty. Mm -hmm. And then the last tab is of no relevance to us because we have learned nothing about CSS animations. Oh, So really, not. rules and computers are our friend. Especially the little black lines because they tell you that someone has lost a fight in terms of specificity. So if you expected it to come out in a certain font, you can look there and see why it lost? Yeah, which rule lost? And then see, how can I make that rule more specific? Uh, and then I, I can make it win again. This is cool, Bart. This is this so, is pretty neat. So whenever someone says to me, I need help with my CSS, this is the first thing I do. Because this lets me see what's going on. You've done this with me before. And actually, uh, my buddy Niraj did it to me before I ever saw you do it to me. But now I think I I understand a lot of it even more. Yes. So th this is your friend. These developer tools, the more you learn, the more fun these developer tools become. And all the modern browsers, even Edge. Edge has really nice developer tools. Oh, cool. By the way, uh, just, just so people know this, um, also when you're in here in looking at rules, you can turn them on and off. So, for example, his little block that's got the uh, roundy bits on the right and it's square mm -hmm. on the corners, you can turn off the, the radius. And, uh, yeah. and in fact, I'll filter by radius right now. Well, I'm in there and I can go in and I can say, okay, I don't want a radius on that. I'm just going to get rid of that. And all of a sudden it's square. Yeah. So you can see, you can mess with stuff in real time and watch its effect as well. Yeah. And it also tells you the line number. So if you go to the rules tab, it says the line number. Style.css line 29 tells us that the margin is, you know, so it actually has line numbers next to the different Where? definitions. I don't see that. Okay. So colon 46, tab, is that what it is? Yeah, so if you're in the rules tab, you see pre.pearl is style.css line 55. Okay, which tag have you clicked on, I guess? Yeah, I'm the, okay, it doesn't say line. It says colon 55. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Those are line numbers <laughs> okay. in the file. 
Okay, I was looking for line so number. Says, I don't see colon it. 46 is line 46. Very cool. Okay, so I know everything about CSS now. I can go uh, redesign my theme. I'm ready to go. One, one more thing. <laughs> okay, so we are now working with boxes in the normal way, right? So these boxes just appear one below the other. It's like they're all on helium, right? So the H1 box floats to the top, then the P box floats against it, and the next H2 box floats against that. So I like to think of them as being their full width, and they float to the top. And that's normal. That's normal positioning. It's actually called normal positioning within CSS. What we're going to learn next time is how to take something out of this normal flow and put it somewhere. So make an image float to the right. Make a menu bar be on the right. Make something be at the bottom. So uh, footer's head. I want, I want to know that. Yeah, that's called CSS positioning. And that's the final piece. And that's what we're going to do next time. I think um, I could probably stand to have a little more explanation of how to know what font families to pick. I don't know where any of that came from. Has it been a black art? (laughs) Honestly, it is a black art. So the concept is you put them in decreasing order of preference. No, but I I don't know what ones to pick from. I don't know what exists. I know I can't just say, hey, I think it should be Haverka Nue, or however you pronounce that. Well, you can, right? You can put that first. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I don't know what to put in there. I can't just pick chancery or what. I mean, because they're not going to work. I, yeah, this maybe it's a. Honestly, you just go to the Googles. And okay, maybe you could just spend a, two minutes telling us what to search for when we go do that. Because I don't know what to, I don't even know where to start. I wouldn't know what to. Well, show notes from last time have a link to a list of recommended font family groups. So in the PBS six show notes, there is a link to that. Is in there? The bit where we talk, did we talk about that? We did. Ah, foiled. You were okay. probably playing ahead, though. <laughs> probably was. All right, this has been really cool. Are we? Uh, are we good for this week? I think that's probably enough to keep you going. I think so. An hour and twenty one minutes on that. That's probably good. Good thing we split this show apart. No pressure anymore. <laughs> I was going to say you told me not to be so short. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bart. Thanks. This is uh, this is really cool. I'm definitely going to go mess some stuff up now. Excellent. Well, until next time, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon affiliate link over on podfeed.com. Heck, put a review up in iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast, too. I love feedback, so please do write to me at allison at podfeet.com and join in the conversation with other listeners in our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.